New Life in New England, Revitalizing a Church in a Historic Part of Our Country, today on ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. On this episode of ReChurch, we have Jeremy Sweat with us again. Jeremy, thank you for joining us. This is again ReChurch on the Road. I'm in New England. And again, we always want to thank Sarah Hartwig in the studio for editing and and making these podcasts possible. But today, I want to continue our discussion with Jeremy, but now we're switching gears. We're going totally towards revitalization. Uh, You pastored Atlanta how many years? Uh, 13 years. Um, as a senior pastor from 2002 to 2015. And you and your wife and boys, you planted the church. Yes, we did. And then you transitioned out of the church. Yes. In the fall of 2015, the Lord called us to New England. All right. So we're on now almost your three-year anniversary. Yes. Just a few weeks. So we want to talk about this. All right. Someone's considering. Uh, Number one, from Atlanta to New England. Talk to me. How in the world did that happen? I get asked that question all the time, and it literally is, I I feel like Philip, (laughs) where I was just transported. (laughs) Um, I was not looking to leave my previous ministry. The Lord opened the door. Um, He made it apparent quickly that this was his will for us. But literally when the man called me from Farmington Avenue Baptist Church in West Hartford, Connecticut, told me who he was, where he was from, I had to look on my phone and pull up the map to find Connecticut. (laughs) I knew it was one of the New England states, but I had to figure out which one. And that's not an offense to New England. That's no. just where you lived in the, you know, when you were Jerusalem. No, I had lived in the southeast since I was a freshman in high school until 2015 when I was, I guess I was 46 uh, at the time. And so I, I just wasn't familiar. I think I had come on vacation as a child up here one time. That's it. But that was it. Yeah. All right. So when he called and you started... The process of, of working through this, as you and Renee are working through the idea, you had taken a church plant and grown it from nothing to an existing, sufficient, self-supporting, mm-hmm. vibrant church. Yes. This is kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. All right, so Farmington Avenue, the church is approximately how old? At that time, it would have been about 56 years old. It'll celebrate its 59th anniversary in November. There had been two previous pastors. The pastor that I would be succeeding uh, was retiring that summer of 2015. And so he was still present when I came for an initial visit. Now, at that time, um, the church at its peak was how many? At the peak of its ministry, of its current, you know, present life, uh, over 500 back in the, the 80s, uh, probably early 90s. And then when I arrived in 2015, uh, Sunday morning attendance was around... 130-ish or so. Okay, so with an attendance of roughly 500, you had facilities in place. Was a church planner, you didn't have any. Yes. So this is a little different. So you mentioned to me the size of the facilities. Yes, and that, of course, as a church planter, when I first saw it, that got my attention quickly (laughs) because I was like, oh, I don't have to build a building. (laughs) Exactly. But But you had a building, you had to build what? Yes, we had a 40,000-square-foot building that had been built to house a church of 500 plus 
And so there was, you know, there's some deferred maintenance issues and just some practicality, but beautiful location, thriving West Hartford, Connecticut. And so lots of, from a human standpoint, material standpoint, lots of blessings there. But revitalization. Yes. Rebuilding a church. Yes. Renewing, refocusing. Yes. All right, so again, I know you're a student of the scriptures, and I know <laughs> you always have a biblical model. So as we look at Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Jesus Christ addresses seven churches. Right. Five of them had problems. Right. And these churches were just one generation old. Yes. All right, so now you walk into a church. It's gone from 500 to 130, whatever right. you say. How many you say? Yeah, about 130, 140. Yeah. 130, 140, under 150. Large facilities. Uh, with the biblical model, not being critical of the people at Farmington Avenue, which church in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 do you think best identifies the situation you're walking into? Yeah, I am. Um, the Lord had me preach through that uh, a few at months At Farmington back. Avenue? Yes, through the seven churches. Okay. And uh, through that process, I think... When I originally arrived there, I would have given you an answer different than I would give you today. But I think that's just obviously, you know, first impressions. And then when you live it for three years, you know people better and know the ministry. And so I would say Sardis. Okay. And so to come to that conclusion, uh, you explained to me kind of a cycle of coming to know the church. Mm. So let's stop right here and go back and talk about, you've been there three years now. So talk to our audience about what you've observed, the cycle of understanding the church, the culture, and how to then lovingly bring revitalization into the ministry. Yes, we will we'll complete our third year next month uh, in October. So I really looked at it in, in, over the last several months in, in detail. And we all hear about the honeymoon, quote unquote, stage. Um, I call that introduction. Uh, I'm introducing myself to the congregation. They're introducing themselves to me. And I think that probably was the first seven to nine months, uh, without a doubt. Then we moved into a time of evaluation where I'm learning the ministry, um, really kind of getting past the surface stuff and digging deep, drilling down on, on everything from finances to program to facility and deferred maintenance and all that. But the church is also evaluating me sure. and the congregation is trying to decide, okay, what's this guy really like and how does he lead and how does he preach? And so that's a two-way street. Um, In contrast to a church plant, it was kind of a one-way. Yes. Because you had always been there. You were the only one. So now, different phase. Was there any adjustment for you in that? Yes, I, I think there was. And again, uh, you never know it till you live it. Um, so certainly in retrospect, uh, already I could look back and, and make a list of things that I probably could or should do differently, but you don't know till you've done it. So we, we learn and grow, but, um, but yeah, that, that process definitely took place. They now have this Southern pastor and it was funny. We were told the story that someone, when I candidated actually asked one of the pulpit committee members, do you think we'll understand them? <laughs> and I'm a southerner by birth. Okay, so I I got that. I got that. But so your introductory phase, yeah. learning and in, transitioning into drilling down and getting to know them, them getting to know you. How long was that? That would then be uh, the better part of the next two years. Okay. And and so I now you're you're two and a half, almost three years in. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. And I, and that's why I would say we are just now beginning the third phase that I just simply tag as implementation. And so, wait, uh, introduction, what, was it, what did you call the in, second Introduction, phase? evaluation. Evaluation. And, and now, now implementation. Okay. Learning the ministry, in particular at Farmington Avenue, praying about what we know what God wants the New Testament church to do. I think we know what it, he wants it to be. But obviously, every area of the country has some unique facets to it. Every situation is unique in its context and community. And so understanding that and praying for wisdom on that for Farmington Avenue, for me, has really that's crystallized in the last few months. And so I see us now as we are concluding our third year, beginning our fourth year, the implementation stage is, is beginning. And it's, it's a lot about you know, some of the practical stuff, communicating that to the congregation, bringing them along, and definitely the Ephesians 4 model of preparing them, equipping them, involving them in ministry. For the sake of our listeners, you're how old now? 49. And your season of life, both children mm-hmm. are out of the home. Yes. So yes. You and Renee. Yeah. Just tack- became a grandparent last week. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Uh, so with this season of life, now you're taking on the revitalization of a church. Right. So you do have some ministry experience behind you. Yes. But yes. even with all that, how do you tell your church you are the church at Sardis? By the way, define the church at Sardis. Christ said you must repent. So what was yeah. their sin and what must they change from? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, he says repeatedly, I know thy work. So it reminds us that what we're doing, how we're living is never absent from his gaze. But he said particularly to them, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Mm-hmm. And that, on its face, of course, is a, is a very hard statement. But he gives them the remedy, you know, and that's obviously his, his grace in, in that. He gives us, okay, but th- we can fix this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm willing to work with you and I'm willing to help you mm-hmm. be what you ought to be. And so, you know, he tells them to be watchful and strengthen and, and remember Basically, go back to basics. But it's kind of like in the coaching. It's almost like this is a football. <laughs> this is time. Yes. All right. So let me ask you. So the church at Sardis. Would you say they lived in the past? Sure. Yeah. In 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 a lot of ways, um, a lot of stories of what it used to be like and how we used to serve. The one thing I would say that was very encouraging when I candidated is that the lion's share of the questions in the Q and A time, which is typical talked about how can we reach our community. So that was very encouraging. That was one of the indicators the Lord used in my heart to tell me, okay, if they're asking that question, we can build on that. Absolutely. So let me just stop right there. What would you do if somebody's listening to this? They're interviewing with the church that needs revitalization, and the church asks nothing about community. What would your advice be? Slow down? Make sure you communicate. Uh, the change has got to happen. If we're not reaching our Jerusalem, we're, we'll never be revitalized. What would you tell us? Yeah, I, th- I think that is really the very nuts, bolts, practical side of it. If, if you're not getting any questions about how can we reach the people across the street, even if they want to talk about, well, look at all the missionaries we support. I had that same conversation at Farmington Avenue. And I said, it's a wonderful thing. There's this big board with all these missionaries. But I asked, I said, how many of you live in West Hartford? And I think it was three families. Mm-hmm. Uttermost parts of the world, super. But Jerusalem, 
needed to be reached. And that is what has become our focus. And that, I believe, is ultimately what is the future. It's been pretty well received uh, at this point. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, again, it's a learning curve. And only time will tell. And only time will tell. It's enjoyable. We've seen people reach. We've used the exchange Bible study. Um, I met with a, a man for many weeks sitting out front of a Barnes & Noble in downtown West Hartford mm-hmm. at a picnic table, and we did the exchange Bible study together. He accepted the Lord. Amen. Um, took him through the discipleship part. So we, we sat out there for the better part of seven months doing Bible study in front of <laughs> Barnes & Noble. You're throwing so much out there. Let me just stop right there. Would you be willing, if a pastor or a pastor's wife are listening to this, and they're thinking revitalization, but they don't have an interest in meeting one-on-one with people to lead them through a Bible study, eventually bring them to Christ. If they if they don't have the heart for this, they don't need to be revitalization. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because you have, as the under-shepherd, for a church to reach the community and to be revitalized. Because Christ said you had to repent. That's what he told these churches. Yes. And that meant confession and change. Yes. And so this new model of ministry, because the model of ministry that Farmington Avenue was going through, like many other churches, sure. was unsustainable. Sure. Program-driven. All right, so now they're going through this, but the pastor must be willing to do as you were doing to set the example sure. and to reach people. Fair? Is that true? Yes, yeah, it's very fair, very yeah. fair. And I'm not the world's best at it by any stretch, but we brought Jeff and Anna in to help train our people. All right, Jeff and Anna, who are they? Jeff and Anna Musgrave yeah. with the Exchange Bible and they, He wrote this as yeah. a way to help churches be equipped. And there are several good materials. Exchange is one of them. Yes. And it's more a matter of not which material, but just start doing it. Yes. I think in training your people, as you said, Ephesians yes. 4, 11, 12, equipping the saints. Okay, so now you're in the implementation process. You're seeing... Especially this guy you met with coming to Christ. You're starting to see some fruit for this. What would you say are some, I want to use the word natural, but some obvious barriers that any man is going to walk into that's trying to revitalize a church? Now, you said your church already started a burden for the community. But what are some other obstacles? You mentioned deferred building maintenance. I mean, oh, what, yeah. what are these other things this a man's going to face? Sure, yeah, that, that is just the very practical side of it. If a church, by definition, needs to be revitalized, then they probably, not just numerically on Sunday morning, have decreased, but that also would correlate to what they've been able to do with the physical plant. So just being able to evaluate that, and you borrow brains uh, of businessmen. So and, you saw counsel. Oh, yeah. Okay. You better believe it, you know, just how to how to go through all of that and the spreadsheets and mm. just the, the basic stuff like that. But that's part of it, mm. for sure. And then spending time with the people and listening to them and helping to, to understand what they feel like, you know, how the ministry has progressed or, or declined, but not living in the past. We appreciate the past, and I appreciate my two predecessors at, at Farmington Avenue, but God has us here, and I believe he wants us to go forward. Amen. All right, so was there anything that became obvious you could help them celebrate? Was there anything immediately that you saw, okay, we need to stop right here and, and celebrate what God is doing in the very beginning of revitalization? Was there anything like that going on? Sure. Some of the things that we did, and, and we actually kind of created some of those, if you will, just with the physical plant. Okay. It's amazing what a fresh coat of paint will do. 
and how inexpensive it is. <laughs> what was the first thing you repainted? Just curious. Yeah, um, they had had a school, a Christian day school that had been closed down before I arrived. And so some of the, the school name down in the what was now the fellowship hall used to be kind of the lunchroom, was still on the walls, that kind of stuff. The lockers were still in a hallway in the building. So I arrived in November and it, over Christmas break, we took all those lockers out, repainted everything, put a fresh carpet down in that hallway. Then the first summer that we were there, I called it summer of service. Okay. And we went through and every Monday night was a work night. And it was lots of work. But the neat thing about it, at the end of the summer, I went back and we had nearly 90 different people participate throughout the summer in the summer of service. We repainted, we recarpeted some areas, we filled three massive dumpsters of stuff. All right, when you come to the church revival, what were kind of the, um, the people demographics, the ages? Was it, uh, you said you're about 125, was it mostly older? Was it a mix? Because I know now you've got a lot of young professionals. It, it was. It, it was a mix. Um, the younger ones certainly were the fastest in decline that some of the younger families had moved on by the time I arrived. But we're seeing that grow again. My wife and I teach the young married class, and we're seeing that class grow. But, yes, thankfully, it was fairly balanced, um, and that has been a help. Good. All right, so you didn't inherit some of the other problems. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the exchange. So you equip the people to mm -hmm. do it. Uh, you're encouraging the people to do it. You are doing it. Sure. Okay. Anything else you can give advice on as, as you start to help churches, you advise other pastors of how to look outward instead of inward. Sure. Any other advice you can give there with your special season of prayer? Did you, I mean, just anything like that. What did you do? Yeah, it was all of the above. <laughs> but but I think one of the things that became apparent to me, and this is the, I've learned this, I, I didn't know it up front, but over the last three years I've learned it, is it just takes so much time. And encouraging the people that, you know, it's okay. I didn't have the opportunity to lead Nick to the Lord one afternoon when we had coffee and in 30 minutes it was done. It was weeks. Right of time spent, but that's okay because that's long-term. Mm. Obviously, we should always be ready at an instant to share the gospel witness, but those opportunities, I believe, are far fewer than the relationship building, investing the time one-on-one. Where'd you meet Nick? They had visited the church just before I came to candidate. Hmm. Ukrainian couple. And we have a very diverse congregation. It's, it's very neat in that regard. And actually, I got to know him. They kept attending when we came. And we were snow skiing. And I was, we were going up the chairlift one evening skiing. And I just said, Nick, I said, I've got a Bible study that I'd love to do with you. Would you be interested? And he said, sure. Wow. Just spend time. Just got to ask the question. Yeah. Ask the question. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Nick comes to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, people start getting encouraged. Sure. They start seeing some fruit. Was there anything else that you found that the people, uh, and obviously you're loving them, okay? Again, sure. I know you and Renee, I know our listeners may not, but I mean, I know how you do ministry. So you're loving them. Is there anything else that you found the people just loved? They, they had been missing. 
they, and now they're encouraged to go do the work of the ministry. I think they, they've begun to see that building is not a dead building, even though it needed some TLC. Mm-hmm. That location is not a dead place. I articulate it often. God has preserved this ministry here these years, and I believe he wants it to go forward. Yes, we have seen a lot of folks visit from our community. Vacation Bible School, the years before I got there, were in the 30s in attendance with children. And this past uh, few weeks ago, we had over 80 children and most of that community. I mean, they outnumber us two and a half to one, you know, but it's... The community families. Okay. So right. it, but it's so neat to stand out there at nine o'clock in the morning and see moms pushing strollers down the sidewalk. Yeah. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah. And our people have caught that vision. And we had nearly 50 of our people that volunteered during the week hmm. to come and spend the time to, to do VBS. All right. We've got about two or three minutes. Summarize what's been the greatest pleasure for you as a pastor, pastor's wife, family. <laughs> what, what would you say? Wow. You know, God's so good. Is it the peace? Is it just assurance knowing you're in the middle of God's will? Is it seeing new life breathed into a church? Or is it rejoicing in the past and rejoicing what God's going to do? Just just kind of, sure. what have you learned there? It's obviously always a thrill to see God's work going forward, and it only happens by His power and by His grace. But to communicate the vision, and, you know, Marcia, we're just three years into it. Almost everybody out there will tell you, and I'm so glad my father told me, it takes you five years to become really a pastor of a church. Right. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly been bumps, but I'm convinced God wants us here. Mm-hmm. That gives us the peace. He is so good to us to give us little fruit along the way, um, little indicators of ministry involvement and fruit in the ministry and things like that, so that we rejoice in those. Uh, Jeremy, give everyone your email address, if you wouldn't mind, because I know there are men, they're sitting there, can this church be revitalized? Do I need to tackle this? I know they would love to talk to you. Can you give your email sure. address again to everyone? Yeah, I'd be happy. It's it's simply Pastor Sweat, S-W-E-A-T-T, at gmail.com. Or email him, get his phone number, because I know Jeremy, he would love to help you he would love to pray with you. He'd love to answer your questions. Sure. Because churches need revitalization. I think yes. personally we're shifting from almost an age of planting yes. to replanting and revitalization. Yes. We got just like you mentioned, your building. Yes. So many things a church planter doesn't have. Right. These churches have. But it's still reaching people for Christ. Yes. Seeing people come to Christ and Christ likeness. All Same right. Thing. So Jeremy again, thanks. I'm sorry, Renee. Couldn't be here. We'd love to catch her another time, interview both of you. But I want to thank you for taking the time. Again, this is Marshall Fant uh, with GFA Missions. Any questions for me? Uh, My email address is mfant at gfamissions.org. Again, thanks for tuning in. I look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks, Jeremy. You're welcome. Pleasure. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.